Hello, this is Matt Pennington with Radio Free Asia. Welcome to our weekly podcast on what's happening in the South China Sea, where we review recent events, diplomatic developments, and how we've been covering them at Radio Free Asia and Banar News. I'm joined by our South China Sea reporter, Drake Long. Hi, Drake. Hi, thanks for having me once again. So this week, we're looking at two things. India, which isn't a South China Sea claimant, recently made a rare statement on the South China Sea that was seen as critical of China. We'll be discussing the significance of that in the context of current tensions between India and China thousands of miles away on their land border. But first, an incident that played out at sea. Between mid-April and mid-May, China sent a survey ship and a formidable escort of Coast Guard and other vessels into Malaysian waters. It appeared intended to pressure a Malaysian-contracted oil exploration ship, the West Capella, to vacate the area, which is what eventually happened. So, Drake, let's unpack this. You just did a story looking back at the whole West Capella episode. What did we learn from that? So the first thing that we learned is that this episode did not really begin in April. April 15th was when the Haiyang DG-8, the Chinese survey vessel, showed up in Malaysian waters. But actually, the West Capella started operating in Malaysian waters back in December. That was also when Malaysia sent a note to the United Nations claiming extended continental shelf. Um, and by doing that, they were claiming the rights, the resources on the extended continental shelf. And then they operate a contracted drill ship to explore for resources in that area. So it's that's not a coincidence necessarily. China immediately protested that action, sending in its own note to the UN saying, we don't accept this. Malaysia has no right to have an extended continental shelf in this area, and they can't explore for rights in this area either because we have rights in that area. And that itself kicked off a whole storm of notes from other countries. But that was the catalyst, basically, for what China did on April 15th, which is when they sent the survey ship down to just basically pressure the uh, Malaysian oil ship out of the area. You saw countless Coast Guard, countless maritime militia accompanying the survey ship right near the site of the West Capella. It was uh, something really interesting to track because you not only saw the patterns of the survey ship, but you saw little Chinese fishing boats, you saw Coast Guard ships chasing down the resupply ships for the West Capella for this entire month. And then, of course, on May 12th, the West Capella decided to end its oil exploration a little bit early, about eight days early, in fact. And then three days later, the Haiyang DG-8 left the area, too. So China was showing its discontent with Malaysia's diplomatic actions, not just in diplomatic fora, but using its muscle at sea. Yeah, so this is mostly about resource rights. Uh, does Malaysia have the right to explore for resources within its own waters? Um, that may seem obvious to some people, but for China, it is not that obvious. China has a very clear position of, we own these waters, we claim these waters. Even if you don't agree that we claim these waters, we can be the only partner for exploration. If you are going to explore for oil, gas, whatever, in the waters of the South China Sea, you have to do it with Chinese companies. This has been a longstanding Chinese position. They've even brought it into the code of conduct negotiations with other ASEAN, Association of Southeast Asian Nation States. So. Malaysia submitting that note in December saying we have this extended continental shelf and then exploring with the West Capella, which is technically operated by an international company. I believe it's London based, you know, not a Chinese company. China apparently saw that as an infringement on its longstanding positions on who can use the resources, who can explore for them in the South China Sea. 
So do we know if there's much oil in these waters where the Malaysian survey exploration ship was and where the Chinese survey ship was? And that's what the purpose of these operations is for, is to figure out if there is any oil that's worth extracting. There was no commercial level exploitation or extraction going on. This was just to figure out what is in those waters. Malaysia has had success finding water in the South China Sea before, not in that area in particular. I believe, I mean, about a fifth of the Malaysian economy is dependent on oil and gas, and their biggest oil field is on peninsular Malaysia, pretty far away from where the Chinese survey and from where the West Capella was. Um, so this is just an attempt to figure out what's there. And it's not a coincidence when China wanted to commit some type of pressure campaign, they picked their own survey ship because now they have that information as well. But is there actually oil in the area? I mean, we don't know. That's what missions like this are kind of supposed to uncover. Another factor in this whole episode that attracted a lot of international attention was the U.S. involvement. Now, I understand that the U.S. sent several naval missions to the mm -hmm. area. Yes. So on April 18th through I think the 22nd or the 21st, the U.S. sent two or three warships along with the Australian Navy in a joint exercise close to the site of the West Cabela. Um, they were performing a joint exercise. They made a release about it. They were very clear that this was about showing a presence while China is committing this kind of pressure campaign. Then on three separate occasions, the USA sent littoral combat ships out of port at Singapore to patrol very close to the West Capella, to the point where you could see them in the photographs that the uh, public affairs officers took. And that was slightly more significant because there you had the USA explicitly say when they sent the second littoral combat ship out on patrol, China cannot bully Southeast Asian nations out of their resource rights, making it very clear that this is to protect Malaysia's right to explore for resources in its territory. By the third press release, that little note was dropped, but it makes it quite clear that the USA showed up to try to lend some support, show some presence while Malaysia was undergoing this kind of uh, pressure campaign and harassment. Is this level of US support and involvement in a dispute in the South China Sea unusual? Yeah, it's fairly unusual. This many warships, I mean, operating at once is pretty odd. And at the same time, you also had freedom of navigation operations going on through the Spratleys and through the Paracels with different ships, or the same ships. It was just a lot of assets in play all at once. And on top of that, you've had a continuous B-1B bomber overflight presence in the South China Sea based out of the U.S. presence on Guam. So to do all of this at once is really indicative of what the USA is trying to do right now. It's trying to show that they will protect other Southeast Asian countries when it comes to exploiting their own resources. The effectiveness is kind of a, a different matter, but I, I think you can definitely say that seeing this many patrols in this short period of time is a significant step up from what the USA normally does. And this, of course, all takes place against the backdrop of, of a lot of tensions in US-China relations over oh, yeah. all sorts of issues like COVID-19, the situation in, well, now in Hong Kong. So how did Malaysia react to the US presence in its waters sort of standing up to China? Well, that was the interesting part. And that was one of the things we tried to unpack in this uh, article. Malaysia did not seem to necessarily welcome the U.S. presence. Uh, the foreign minister released a statement that said, like, I'm in talks with both sides. I'm talking with China and I'm talking with the USA. Um, it's just not public. Um, I don't believe in publicizing that sort of thing. And then he, go, he went on to say, like, we need countries to stop putting ships into the South China Sea. Less warships, no escalation. We need a peaceful resolution of this, please. So 
it was a very measured kind of response, but it was kind of the continuation of Malaysia's longstanding policy. Let's be quiet about this. We don't want to publicize this. Just because we're not publicizing it doesn't mean we're not doing anything. But this increased warship presence by the USA, by Australia, by whoever is not helpful. Please just simmer down a little bit. So it was a very interesting response. So the episode ended peacefully, but of course, the Malaysian vessel left before the Chinese survey ship did. Um, mm-hmm. So it's only a sort of qualified success. So what's the general opinion about how Malaysia handled this through quiet diplomacy? Is that effective way of dealing with, with China on issues like this? Well, there's a lot of pessimism, simply because even if Malaysia was claiming we're in talks with both sides, uh, we're, we're de-conflicting with China, we're de-conflicting with the USA, when you don't put out a very strong public stance at first, and Malaysia did not even acknowledge that anything was going on in the uh, first few days that this was happening, if you don't put out a strong public stance at first, it simply looks like you don't have a response. It looks like you're on the back foot. Um, and that's what a lot of outside analysts were basically saying. In terms of, you know, was this effective? You're absolutely correct. The West Capella left the area. They left early. The survey ship left a little bit after. Actually, they left on the same day of a call between Malaysian and the Chinese defense ministers, actually. What did anybody get of this? It's tough to say. On top of this, China still has a continuous Coast Guard presence within the uh, Malaysian coastline. They're, they're in this area called Luconia Shoals, a series of disputed features between Malaysia and China that is well within 200 nautical miles of Malaysia's coast. And as of today, even, there is a a Chinese Coast Guard vessel there. So it doesn't seem like China was deterred. It seems like this kind of behavior is going to continue. And when you think about it, they got what they wanted. They got the drill ship to leave. I think they've made it their statement quite clear. Um, We'll be okay with this. Just do it with a Chinese company next time. So for the next crisis around the corner, it's not clear that Malaysia can handle it as quietly as they typically do. And with this past incident, we're starting to see that when you are quiet, when you are silent, Other countries around the area scramble to kind of show resolve, to kind of show presence, to put their own message out there. And if you want to handle things quietly, that's actually probably worse than just making a public statement yourself. Okay, so let's move to another country that's not usually so outspoken on the South China Sea, and Mm -hmm. that's that's India. Mm -hmm. Now, on May the 21st, the spokesman of the External Affairs Ministry in New Delhi was asked about the South China Sea and China's recent unilateral actions there. He responded with the following, the South China Sea is part of the global commons. And he went on to say, we firmly stand with freedom of navigation and overflight and unimpeded legal commerce. So it's not exactly fiery stuff, but it's quite unusual, I understand, for India to, to speak out in this way on the South China Sea. So what, what was the significance of India making this public statement? Right. So, I mean, you described it perfectly right there. It's very unusual for India to make a statement like this by itself. There is a tacit acknowledgement that India believes in things like freedom of commerce. They have a pretty strong stake in stability in the South China Sea. And I mean, there's tons of trade networks through there. But they never come out with a statement themselves on the South China Sea. You do see some joint statements with Vietnam and Indonesia, who are major partners of theirs. But very rarely do you see a spokesperson say something like this directly. It's clearly aimed at China. It's very rare to see this kind of happen. This is also significant because back in 2018, China and India kind of met and had this informal consensus that people called the Wuhan Consensus, where India basically pledged, we will not say anything about the South China Sea. We'll just keep out of it. Um, They have issues with it, but we will keep out of it. 
So it was very interesting in that sort of context. And there's some pretty good ideas about why they're saying this right now. So why are they saying this right now? I mean, I mentioned at the top about the current tensions on the border. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So yes, there are tensions on the border. Uh, India has a very long land border with China that is very unsettled. Earlier this month, there were reports of clashes between Indian and Chinese army troops at three points along what's called the line of actual control. And now there's a lot of contention about, has China put more troops than usual on the border? Is there a lot of armor there? Is there a lot of artillery? And that makes India very concerned. That is, in their mind, changing the status quo of what is happening along that border. And it sent the Indian side a bit of a tailspin, so to speak, on how to respond. So... In that context, it's abundantly clear that this statement was timed with the tensions on the border. It's basically saying, if you're going to continue messing or just otherwise making very unsafe kind of uh, maneuvers around our land border, um, the Wuhan consensus is off. We, we no longer need to respect your wishes when it comes to not saying anything about the South China Sea. If you mess with the border over here, we're going to make statements about this other border conflict, if you call it a border conflict, in the South China Sea. So it's a bit of a tit-for-tat sort of situation, and it was very interesting. I think that it's kind of a, a broader trend of India getting more and more involved in the South China Sea, and two of its major partners, Vietnam and Indonesia, are huge political and military partners of India. And China's sort of behavior towards them has India extremely worried. And I guess this also reflects some Indian concern about China's maritime activities move into India's domain. Yeah, so that's exactly what's going on. For India, the most important incident was not necessarily the West Capella incident, but you look at the Natuna Islands ordeal, which was last July, I believe. So um, when that happened, India was extremely concerned because you had a Chinese pressure campaign within Indonesia's exclusive economic zone, which is the easternmost part of the Indian Ocean. On top of that, India has observed Chinese survey ships in the Indian Ocean recently, and China, I believe, has you know, a couple seabed mining licenses within the Indian Ocean. So there's just more activity by Chinese commercial vessels, uh, ostensible survey vessels, and military vessels in the Indian Ocean. India does not like that for a number of reasons. But the way that China is kind of treating people and treating countries in the South China Sea, India is extremely concerned that that could be replicated in the Indian Ocean. And India obviously does not want that. So it's starting to see that there's a bit more solidarity between it and other Southeast Asian countries uh, than it thought before. Okay, well, I think we'll have to keep um, watching to see if India speaks out on the South China Sea more frequency, if the tensions with China continue. For those of you listening, please take a look at Drake's previous articles on those and other issues on the South China Sea at rfa.org and bananews.org. That's Banar, B-E-N-A-R. In particular, check out the multimedia presentation on the 80 features that China recently claimed in the South China Sea. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email us on South China Sea, or one word, at rfa.org. I'm Matt Pennington with Drake Long, the South China Sea reporter for Radio Free Asia and Banar News. This podcast series is created by Leo Kim and produced by Radio Free Asia. Thank you for listening and join us next time.